Welcome back, everybody. This is the Prepared Mindset Podcast, and I am your host, Austin. Coming to you guys with another episode. Uh, it's Thursday, and it's a fantastic day. It is a great day to be alive because the attempted assault weapons ban got punted for vote until uh, after the six-week recess. I just love seeing Nancy Pelosi fail in the in the media. Uh, it just it makes my day and. The fact that I got to converse with some close friends on the social media today about it, which is, it's a good day. No matter what happens after that, uh, it's a good day, right? Another, you know, chalk one up for the good guys, as they say. Um, but past that, got another episode for you guys, right? I am joined this week by Derek Freimeyer, who is the owner, founder of Drop6. Um, so I had a really cool conversation with Derek. Um, I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. In the last couple of years here in the industry, we've seen a real, what I'll call, I will use the term, uh, renaissance in nylon gear. We've seen a departure from the standardized uh, materials like 500D Cordura and getting into things, different materials, uh, different styles of gear. Uh, we've moved away from, you know, the Velcro flaps on magazine pouches into, you know, uh, things like Tigris and Kev, uh, not Kevlar, Kydex inserts and things like that, um, that we've just we're making large strides in the community to uh, advanced gear like plate carriers, pouches, chest rigs. So that's what Derek does with Drop6 is he does a lot of consulting work and, and design work uh, on things like slings and, and nylon-based gear. Super, super cool, dude. We had a very awesome conversation. Uh, I learned a ton. You know, uh, so, something like nylon, I feel like a lot of people are they easily dismiss how... Uh, how meticulous and how specific and detailed you have to be with some of these things. And there's a, there's a ton to it. And, and Derek does a really good job kind of explaining it to somebody like me who, who doesn't really know uh, too much about sewing. So uh, stellar conversation. I, I think you guys are really, really going to dig it. Before I jump over to the conversation, though, with Derek, I do have to make sure we say thank you to our presenting sponsor here at The Prepared Mindset, EclipseHolsters.com. Guys, if, you guys are, if you're out there looking for a new holster, check out Eclipse. They hook us up with the discount code, prepared mindset, all one word. It's going to save you 20% off your order. Spend over 100 bucks. They're going to upgrade you for free to FedEx two-day shipping. On top of that, they guarantee that in three business days or less, your, your order, made by hand, from start to finish, will be in the mail to you. Three business days or less. Pretty freaking awesome. Whether you're looking for mag pouches, whether you're looking for some dump trays, a holster, obviously, core concealment belt, maybe some replacement hardware, your your crappy old plastic clip broke and you want to get a discrete carry concepts metal clip, check out EclipseHolsters.com. Again, our discount code, Prepared Mindset, all one word, is going to save you 20% off your order, and it is on its way to you in three business days or less. Justin and her team do outstanding work, great family-owned company. Uh, we're super, super proud to be partnered with them. And I've, I mean, I rock their uh, serious light bearing holster. I just got back, you know, last week we traveled up to Northern Michigan, Lexi and I carried appendix the entire car ride up there. We actually went past Traverse City. So it was about five hours up there and four and a half or so back. Uh, no problems, completely comfortable, no issues whatsoever. Cannot recommend Eclipse holsters enough. Again, eclipseholsters.com, our code prepared mindset. That's all one word. It's going to save you some dough, hook you up with some real rad gear. Okay, that's all I got on that. So without much further ado here, we're going to jump on over to my conversation 
with Mr. Derek Freimeyer, who is, again, the owner and founder of Drop6. Check it out. Enjoy. Hey, Derek. Welcome to the podcast, man. How's it going? Hey, Austin. Pretty good. Doing good. Thank you for having me on. Dude, absolutely. Uh, I, thanks for making the time. You know, I know it's, uh, I'm sure it's got to be busy with what you got going on these days. Um, you know, running yeah. your own business. Uh, I, I came from a family. My mother ran her own business for like 20 ish plus years. So I, I get it. Like time is not always the most uh, <laughs> available of commodities. So uh, definitely appreciate it. And I'm, and I'm happy to have you on. Uh, let's, let's kick it off, man. Um, Let's yeah. start. Go ahead and introduce yourself to uh, to our listeners. Maybe talk a little bit about what you what you do. Okay. Uh, well, my name is Derek Freimeyer. Everyone gets the last name wrong. They always say Freimer. Uh, it's Freimeyer. <laughs> um, basically, it was just a uh, grew up kind of traveling. My parents were missionaries, so I grew up kind of traveling and uh, got to see a lot of things and like how things are made. And I've always had an interest in that. Right. I always like to uh, take things apart and see how they worked. And I got in trouble a lot for it. Uh, but then yeah. I ended up going to the military, did six and a half years there, just infantry guy, um, got to do a couple cool jobs. And, uh, my last three years was as a sniper team leader. Um, and then I got out, had no idea what I wanted to do. And, uh, I actually got into building hot rods. That was my first job out of the military. Oh, was, wow. Uh, yeah. There was a hot rod shop by my parents' place. And I just strolled over there and <clears throat> was like, hey, I'll work for free for you if you teach me how to do what you do. And uh, just kind of went from there. He, he was like, okay, free worker, you know. Oh, you know, those shop guys are always looking looking for help. I had a, uh, an uncle, actually, who spent his entire life building uh, dragsters and funny cars uh, mm-hmm. for Shirley Muldowney and, uh, uh, geez, what's the other guy's name? Connie Coletta. You know, which is, I mean, that's like, we're dating our, that, that's like 50 years ago. That's way back in the day when my mom yeah. was a kid and stuff, but, uh, that that's awesome. You know? Yeah. So you got started there. Yeah. And you know, free help. Who doesn't love, love to hear that. Yeah. yeah man, come on in. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, he, he taught me metal fabrication. They needed a welder and a metal fabricator. And, uh, the, he taught me a couple of things and then he was like, all right. And he gave me like a 55 Chevy Bel Air and I needed to fix some rust rot um in the trunk and i don't know if you know those cars but they're very curvy in the back yeah the lines on those are very uh yeah there's 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 some curves yeah. there for sure and uh he said i had to do it out of one piece of metal and that was kind of my test and so using shrinker stretchers and breakers anyways i got i got it in kept the job so <laughs> um, there you go. Yeah. so that's kind of where and I know it's kind of weird. Why is a sewing guy talking about metal fab, but that's kind of where I learned patterns and uh, like how things move and stretch and like fold, even though I was playing with metal, I could be very precise, you know, make patterns for the specific piece of the car I was working on or the exhaust system sure. building. So um, after that, I kind of uh, a little bit of a recession hit. And so he couldn't keep me on full time. I bounced around to different shops and I became a traveling kind of mechanic, work on people's uh, cars at shops and do metal fab and welding and stuff. I tried a bunch of other stuff. I tried like office work, security work, tried to be a cop <laughs> for like six years and just it never happened. Um, and I ended up working at a gun shop. And while working there, my buddy, uh, my best friend was deploying to Afghanistan again. He's still in actually. 
and uh we we had a late like drunken conversation you know on the phone and uh and he we, we got talking about one of our buddies that got killed by friendly fire on my first deployment and uh it was just a misidentification through thermals um mm-hmm. guy had his helmet off and had lit a cigarette so he looked like someone with a gun and a cigarette yeah. which usually was you know iraqis so right uh, he got, right got taken out and so that kind of got me thinking about well there's got to be a way we can develop uh positive identification for thermal night vision stuff like that because blue on blue happened a lot people don't like to talk about it but it happened quite a bit especially in like baghdad where you had so many different units um and blue force tracker was just coming out and uh it wasn't very good if it worked at all so that was it was basically uh think of like google earth and then it marks your locations oh it drops like pins and stuff where where yeah. your forces are and stuff yeah but you gotta think this is back to 2007 and so jeez, yeah no technology was not exactly advanced as we know yeah. it today and so you'd even have like units shooting across highways at each other because there'd be like a big open field in between and they just mm-hmm. see people with guns so they'd start shooting you know stuff like that yeah. So that led yeah. me down the path of uh, trying to develop a fabric or a marker that would uh, work under thermals for PID and stuff. And uh, I kind of got it figured out. And then I realized I don't have enough money to pay someone to do this. I just work at a gun shop. You know, I was just a manager yeah. for the warehouse type of deal and work sales for every once in a while. And uh, so I was like, well, I got to learn about fabric. So I'll start sewing. So <laughs> um, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. And start selling stuff. So my mom, my mom had a friend and she at the time was making like accessories for like Zodiac boats and stuff. And like, Oh yeah. Like the, the, the rafts and stuff. Yeah. 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 And like hiking bags and stuff. And so uh, I was like, well, that's heavy duty stuff. So she gave me like a two hour crash course on like how to set a machine up wow. and what to nice. do. And she gave me a machine and it was like a 1960s, like something like your grandma would have in the house. It wasn't an industrial machine. It was a commercial. <laughs> but I've heard a, that those, I've heard those older ones will actually run for like ever oh, if you take care of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Everything's metal in it. It's not like what you go pick up now from like Walmart. I actually still have it. I still sew with it sometimes. Um, I was going to ask you, yeah, do you still uh, got it going? Yeah. Yeah. The motor, I killed the motor in two weeks uh, and I couldn't find wow. a replacement. And so I would hand crank. So when I started uh, selling products, it was under a different name. And uh, I would basically, my buddy and I would talk, figure out like, oh, you guys need a belt that does this. Or you need a chest rig that does this. And uh, so I would just start making stuff and I would just start sending it to them. And then like the things I thought were pretty developed, you know, for for a first time sewer, you're thinking like all your stuff looks good. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure. Um, yeah. And uh that's st- so I was selling belts to the gun shop. And then I started like uh kind of like through Instagram, you could like DM me your belt size, and then I'd just you just PayPal me and I'd I'd make you a belt and send it out. Sure. It's, and so it was doing okay at the gun shop, actually. It was kind of cool that they even let me sell my own product in there. Um, and then I had my buddy overseas testing all the we'll call it fancier stuff. <laughs> but all that stuff i would sew by hand cranking this machine because the motor was didn't work and that's uh, crazy that had yeah. to take forever honestly yeah so so the on my 
I on the drop six Instagram, I did a, I showed a picture of a chest rig recently, a skeleton chest rig. And that's mm-hmm. one I, I hand cranked every stitch in that. So that's pretty cool. No, yeah. no. Is that one that you just, you made and you kept for yourself? Or is that one that came back to you? Cause someone was like, Hey man, this is cool. I want you to have it. Yeah. It's kind of, kind of that. So my best friend I was talking about, he's been wearing that since 2017 on his, wow. uh, on his plate carrier, or he'll, he took the tap system and he put that harness on it and run it. Um, and, uh, he's like, all right, man, I think it's time for an update finally, you know, like, <laughs> so yeah, basically hey, five years, just- five years don't owe you much if it, if it lasted five years through, at least in my mind, you know, <clears throat> through some decent abuse and, and, uh, yeah. And wear and see, you know, see some action and everything. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to change some things for him and his dudes and get him some new ones. But yeah, it was, it was pretty cool to see that even back when I first started hand cranking, you know, machine that, you know, that product lasted multiple deployments, field problems, you know, um, and looking at now, I kind of laugh at like some of the techniques I used, um, but it's still together. So, Yeah. <laughs> So is that what just like a trial and error thing, figuring out which Lisa technique worked better for certain applications and things or a, a little bit. So some of the, some of the, like knowing where to reinforce and reinforce like seams and whatnot came from uh, being a sniper. Uh, we, you know, you have to make your own ghillie as part of like mm-hmm. your uh, becoming of a sniper. Now I never got my Bravo four, which is your identifier. I failed okay. uh, two days before graduation. I, I failed the last ah. uh, stock and we could probably spend a whole hour just talking about the, the last stock. Cause it was a higher power. Didn't want me to get that bro. <laughs> <laughs> really. One of those things where just, you, you can just feel, you can just feel something's holding you back. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, winds coming in and blocking, you know, just stuff like that. So, yeah. um, Oh, well didn't get it. Uh, but, still got to be a, a sniper team leader for my last three years. So, um, my, my unit knew I was squared away. I just didn't get the identifier, but that's kind of where I started thinking about like gear because no one made sniper kit or like gear for snipers. And so we kind of just like, um, we were fortunate enough. I was at Fort Lewis, um, and tactical tailors right outside the gate. And so we yeah. could just go over there with our ideas back then. I don't know if they do it anymore excuse me uh but you could take an idea and be like hey i got this pouch but i need it to do this can you modify it and they'd be like oh yeah come back in a week and you know they would mod your kit that's uh, crazy yeah that, yeah that's pretty sweet honestly yeah <clears throat> yeah and so that's kind of where the whole thinking of like okay how can i change issued gear and maybe sew it myself or do a repair or you know whatever um to make it better and so uh that's kind of where it really started. So like you're saying, how did I know like where to place things and things mm-hmm. like that? It just, it just came from studying the gear I was issued and stuff I acquired through my military time and paying attention to this, to the equipment that didn't fail. Um, and I, I'm just kind of one of those guys, like I'm so curious on how things are made and how things are built um, that I have to like look into the inner workings, you know? So that's just, so, and I, I pay attention to details pretty good and that's, that bites you in the butt as a designer, uh, sometimes, which we can get yeah. into later, but it can cause some hangups and 
yeah i, I know what you mean yeah it, it can be a bad thing yeah and so basically it was just at that gun shop selling stuff and then uh i decided my family and i decided we're moving to tennessee and uh we just headed out man i came out for a couple of interviews and i ended up picking up a job as a mechanic in nashville and uh we just moved um and so while I was a mechanic, I was still kind of messing around the garage with some designs and stuff. And um, I had a really cool sling, I thought. And it had been around. I think I came up with that. When I first got into sewing, I was trying to come up with a sling. And because uh, my buddy just hated like the Victor slings or like the VTAC really padded ones. Yeah. He just he just didn't like them. So I was like, all right, I, I, I can fix this. I can come up with something. And uh, so I did develop a sling. And so I would still kind of make them here and there for people in the garage. And uh, I don't know if you've met Dave Roden or not. Um, no, not yet. He'd be a I great to connect with. He he knows anyone in the gun industry. You can ask him and he'll send you their name and email address sometimes. Like he just. He's one of those people he's got. He, he's talked to everyone. Yeah. He's just been in it so long. And he he's one of those guys that is behind the scenes and everything. And a lot of people know him, but then there's a, ton of people that don't know him and don't realize like some of the stuff he has developed um with with other people um but we can we became friends uh through a mutual contact and uh, i was just out shooting with him and uh he we got talking about gear or something i was like oh yeah i make stuff you know like i pull out this bag yeah. of stuff he's like Derek, what is this like some of this is really good <laughs> like well, you made That's this pretty awesome yeah yeah and so I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I make this stuff in the garage, you know, <laughs> like, I just like nonchalantly drop that. Oh, yeah. It's just a hobby. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what it was to me, you know? Um, and, uh, he's like, dude, you got to try and sell this stuff. Like you, you make some okay stuff, you know? And, uh, I'll try and get the story quicker. Sorry. <laughs> no, uh, no, do, do you do what you do, man. This is great. All right. And, um, so the first person we went to, so I had like a bag a bag I made, um, a plate carrier, a battle belt system, and a sling. Those are kind of my main things. I think there's a couple other like little things, uh, but he really liked the sling design. And so we tried to go to his buddy, uh, Kyle Lamb, um, who now I'm pretty good friends with Kyle Lamb. And uh, we tried to go to him and sell the sling. And so, you know, he comes over and you're like, oh my gosh, it's Kyle Lamb. You Kyle know? Lamb, yeah, man. <laughs> Just walked into this guy's garage and I'm talking to him now, you know. Um, I don't really get starstruck, but him, I was a little timid at first, you know. Oh, sure, yeah. You famous people. And it's just like, yeah, whatever, you're just another person. But him, I was, I was a little like, all right, keep my mouth shut. <laughs> uh, I get it. Yeah, he's playing with the sling and he's like, man, this is awesome. It just needs a pull tab. And yeah, this is great. And uh, so he was interested in, in buying the design off me until he found out the slider I used is the same one a buddy of his uses. And it's oh, just, okay. just the slider. <clears throat> and I was like, well, yeah, it's an off the shelf slider, you know? And he's like, well, I don't want to like hurt my friend's feelings. So he ended up turning it down. Oh man. You know, so I was a little bummed or whatever. And uh, I had even taken apart one of his slings and I took his, uh, he had like a hypolon or not a hypolon he had like a um a biothane pull tab on one of his slings and it said vtac and i sewed it in for him on one that i had in my back pocket 
and I gave it to him before he left. So I think he still has it somewhere. That's pretty cool. It actually didn't work that well, the pull tab at the time. It, it kind of burned mm-hmm. Um, but I, I sewed it on for him just as of a, you know, like, thanks for seeing me type of deal. Um, but that ended up opening doors cause Dave was just determined that I had something cool here and he wanted to get it to someone. So he just started making phone call after phone call to different people for me. Um, and so really I owe like getting into the gear industry to, to Dave Roden, um, because it ended up uh i ended up at t-rex um and they they had an open house and he had an invite plus one and i was supposed to be i was going to be his plus one and isaac isaac uh bakken knew i was going to be coming there um i don't know if the other brothers did or not but basically it was like a closed like invitation only open house so it was only like people they knew the new building I think I remember seeing that on social media when they moved, they moved into the big facility and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And they did their first kind of like documentary mm-hmm. video stuff. Yeah. It was that party. And Dave, like two days before was like, Hey man, I got to go out of town. So you just show up, find Isaac and like, <laughs> just go, do, man. It'll be fine. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. Do your sales pitch. I'm like, what? And honestly at this time, like I had heard T-Rex, I'd heard of like Lucas and stuff. And I was like, Oh yeah. It's like, kid that like shoots really fast you know like i i honestly didn't yeah follow. i wasn't a follower of t-rex and uh so i didn't really know and uh but anyways go to the party uh it was a little weird like just walking in like i'm looking for isaac and i got like a bag you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's so pretty, yeah pretty awkward yeah it was pretty awkward but isaac was cool he gave me a tour and uh anyways i met lucas and long story short they they really liked the stuff and uh they're like, well, what do you, what do you want? And I was like, I just want to sell the design maybe for a royalty or um, something like that. And I'm like virgin into the design world at this point, you know? Um, and Roden has kind of helped me quite a bit with like how royalties work and like what you should expect for a finished product versus just an idea and a cut, mm-hmm. and things like that. And uh, so I, I just told T-Rex like, Hey, I just want to sell the design. You guys can make it and do all that. And I'll just yeah. take the royalty um and they're like okay well we'll buy your design and how would you like a job and i was like okay yeah sweet I'll yeah stop. sure yeah, that sounds yeah. pretty good yeah i'll stop wrenching and go do a dream job you know like just design stuff all day um and so that's how i got into t-rex um but that yeah that's kind of how my design started or uh how i got started in the sewing world i guess for the gun industry so that's pretty awesome. That, that kind of just, I want to say perfectly came together, but that that's, you know, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And it, the gun industry is pretty closed off, honestly, man. Like it's, it's, it's high school, man. It's like high school clicks. And that's, that's true. I found that to be true in some instances. Yeah, definitely. And so opportunities like that, like I wouldn't, like if I would have just walked up to your ex and was like, Hey, here's a sling. Do you want to buy it? they probably would have told me to kick rocks, you know, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but because someone like Dave Roden was backing me and like, Hey, no, this guy has some good stuff. Like you might want to check him out. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so it's all about contacts and, and knowing the right people and being nice to the right people, I would say. So, yeah, no, and I found that to be true even in the limited space and interaction I have with, with a lot of folks is um, just make good connections as long. And, Honestly, as long as you're a, a pretty decent person, 
you know, you, you usually do okay. Um, yeah. depending on, you know, where you want to get, that may not be true, but, um, yeah, I mean, that's, it, you make those key connections and it's always interesting to hear people's stories about like who that one or two or three people were that really had those pivotal impacts that helped them. Like mm-hmm. they didn't know it at the time, but it was going to help change drastically, right. The, the direction of their life. Um, you know, from in your case, right. Uh, welding on, on Bel Airs to, uh, <laughs> running your own company, uh, you know, making slings and stuff and, and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. I'm sure at the time you had no idea what it would turn into. Oh no. Right. Yeah. No, no. <clears throat> oh man. I was just looking to like sell it off and mailbox money, you know? Yeah. Um, but that sling is what, uh, what is now the T-Rex sling. So that's, uh, that was something I developed back in 2017, 18. And, uh, yeah. So. Yeah. Cause I, I think that was really one of their first jumps into the whole nylon space and everything was that, was yeah. that sling and yep. followed directly thereafter by, I can't remember what order it was, but I think it was, it was that. And then it was, I think it was the chest rig. And I think the, the, the kid, the, the chest uh, or the plate carrier, but, yeah. um, yeah, that so, turned into a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah. Is, so that really was, uh, they wanted to get in the nylon side, uh, you know, and they had, well, they had some things already, you know, like their, their med pouch and their Orion belts and things like that, but they weren't designing those in house. Um, and so they really wanted to have someone that could work with Lucas directly and just like get things done. And I work really fast. Like, um, typically like if you had an idea and I have the materials, I'll get you a prototype that day. Um, you know, see, and that's, that's, that's huge, you know, in any, in any space, you know, yeah. people don't realize, but like the communication delay, you know, like you're saying, working with a vendor on a design piece, like you're probably not their only client. So with you in house, right. It's like, yeah, give me like six hours. We'll have this done. Yeah. Or at yeah, least a workable yeah. prototype. Yeah. Yeah. And even, and even that, like what we could do is like, if, if Lucas told me the night before in the morning, like what he was thinking, um, I can make something up and then after lunch, we go to the range and test it out, you know, that day. So that's so cool. Like yeah. being able to just do it that quickly and bring those ideas to at least in rough shape, right. <laughs> to life. Yeah. And like, yeah. How's this work? You know, let's go check it out. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. And man, I worked on so many things and so many things I don't think they're even going to bring to market, but they're still releasing stuff I designed you know, two years ago um, because w- Lucas and I, came up with so much product that the the board had to basically like all right we need an order to this and what gets released and yeah make some sense of the madness yeah because we had so much stuff you could walk into the room and across the whole floor is like all these different designs you know Um, yeah and uh the you you said the chest rig that was kind of a that one was 100 percent a luke lucas's idea and he had and his original idea was going to cost too much. So we needed to make something that was more affordable to everyone. Mm-hmm. But that was the first product that I learned that um, manufacturers don't give a shit like you care, you know, like they don't, when you're making something uh, or at least me, my number one goal is it won't fall apart on you. You know, like it can't fall apart yeah. on you. But to me, it's life-saving equipment and that product um, I mean, those guys and myself are still rocking original prototypes from a couple of years ago. That's pretty and cool. Yeah. Have an original, running. but they, uh, 
you know, when those launched, there was quite a bit of issues. There, there was a lot of issues. And that's when we found out that like, even though we were doing QC checks, like we couldn't catch them all. Like T-Rex, I can't like talk numbers, but they sell a lot of product. And so we couldn't keep oh. up QCing every single item. And so that they actually got a bad rap, that chest rig, because quite a few of them fell apart on people's channels that were doing reviews and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it just, that that's when I realized like when you're working with a manufacturer, you have to be very specific. And when they're doing your samples for you and stuff, like it might seem like you're nitpicking, but you have to tell them like, Hey, that's an eighth inch off. And Hey, you missed like two stitches here, you know, like uh, that's gotta be addressed. Yeah. Because you gotta think it's on a, you know, it's like exponential uh, or like rip the ripple effect. Right. And I think even Lucas talked about in one of his videos, um, it wasn't even nylon. I think it was talking about like BCM rifles, you know, and, and Bravo companies, they make amazing rifles, but once they started really taking off and everything, they had some QC issues as well because they just couldn't, they were, they were still growing and adjusting and, and acclimating and things. So, yeah, I mean, quality control is, I think it's one of those things that people nonchalantly toss around like, oh, yeah, that's crap. Your, your quality control is garbage. And it's like, well, okay, so maybe, maybe something slipped, um, but that doesn't, nece- it's not necessarily always an indictment of, of poor quality control. It just might be, you know, some other factors that you're not privy to. Um, and I, if I'm not mistaken, I think with a lot of those, the company did replacements or honored um, refunds and things like that. So uh, yeah. there's, a, there's a number of things that go into that. I think when people flip out about that and give them shitty reviews, I think it's kind of short-sighted. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, it, it, you know if, if you honestly don't like the product because it doesn't function a certain way, you know, but and I understand, like, I would be the first one, like, if something fell apart, I would totally be like, what what the hell's going on? Yeah. You know, like, um, but I I don't know. that. But that that kind of got me paying attention to what the manufacturer is doing more. You know, mm-hmm. and sometimes we get samples and the samples are perfect. Then you get the first, like, batch of 100 or 1,000. And uh, after the chest rigs, we really started paying attention. Um, that's how they found like the AC, the AC one, AC Uno issue. Oh yeah. Yep. I remember the big video, the release on, on that and everything. And, uh, yeah, I I remember that. So if the chest rig issues hadn't have happened, you know, we would have been QCing the PCs the same way they were, we were QCing the chest rigs and not me, but I just say we in general. Um, right. Um, And they probably, it would have taken way longer to figure out the company with that manufacturer was scamming us. Um, and so, yeah, that was like two in a row. So we were just feeling kind of, I was feeling kind of bad. I was like, man, like what's going on? Like, Can't catch know, a break. Yeah. Like I know all the products I'm making and like people are testing all around the world. Cause we'd send them to dudes doing some legit stuff, you know, out there in the world yeah. and they come back with nothing but praise you know, but those were all ones I made. They weren't, you know, they, they weren't, weren't the ones that were mass produced. Yeah. And so that's, that's something, if someone is thinking about getting into sewing and or production in general, like the manufacturer doesn't care. They just see, they got to get this many done this month so they can make this much money. They don't care how much you care about a product. So yeah, it comes down to the bottom line and that's unfortunately, right. And I think too often. That's the case that the large companies look at. So, you know, some of these, 
I mean, I, I've never used one of the Magpul slings, but like Magpul's pretty huge, you know, and I've had some QC issues with Magpul products, not specifically a sling, but stuff happens, yeah. you know, they're, they were, they just got to crank it out, you know, and it is what it is. So yeah. I get that. So, I mean, so that aside, right. From a design standpoint, like you were talking about how, how much work you guys did and, and all these ideas and everything. Do you ever run into issues with, and I, I say, I only say this because dudes on the internet love to fight about it. So I want to bring it up, but like yeah. people want to throw like, Oh, you just stole. I remember when it was, so when the AC one came out, like yeah. you just stole this design from so-and-so and it's like, mm, did we really, or does it just look very similar? And I mean, how many different ways are you going to make, you know, X product? Like yeah. so, realistically. So it happens a lot actually. And there's a, there's a designer out there, uh, Shaw concepts. I don't know if you, heard of them yep yeah so that dude got and i've never met him but i started following him man it was probably six months into me working at t-rex i started noticing him pop up and Mm -hmm. it's hilarious i feel like that guy is in my head because we'll be working like he'll show a picture of something and i'm literally like working on that looking on the same thing yeah (laughs) Yeah, and i just scrap it i'm like nope someone came out with it so i'm very deliberate of not copying like um so the AC one, so that one was interesting. So that, that one was my first real challenging project. And that, um, Lucas came to me and was like, we want a, a U.S. made plate carrier that doesn't suck under a hundred dollars. And I was like, Oh, you know, like, okay. There. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a couple pieces of Cordura, maybe spacer mesh, some, some you know squadron for the shoulder tabs and you're gonna have a basic sewn plate pocket you know with some molly mm-hmm. on it um so i made one uh you know that day actually and uh gave it to him um and he's like no nah, it looks too plain you know and it <laughs> honestly it looked like uh what was that p0 pizarro design um they make like really basic. Something. Yeah. yeah 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 they make very basic plate carriers it was very mm-hmm. similar to that because that's the cheapest way to make it is you make two plate bags with a Velcro closure and some straps, you know, yep. like that, that's as cheap as you can do it. Um, and Lou was just like, man, I don't, I don't, I don't like it. It's too basic looking. I don't want to see. Um, the first thing he said was, I don't really like the shape of the plates. And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> you know, like yeah. Yeah hundred dollar plate carrier man you're gonna see plate shape you know and so uh i came up with another one that was uh way out of price range but i thought it was pretty cool because it would expand to different sizes uh, of plates but it was going to be way too technical and expensive to make like i think we were quoting it out and it was going to be something like 300 plus like to make it because it was just very involved with sewing so so i'll hit that real quick so the prices of products, it's hands-on time. It's not the materials, even your, your super, like super fabrics. If you break it down to square inches, they're all ranging within a couple pennies of each other. Really? I see. I, I would have assumed that it would have been the material cost. Yeah. So a little bit. So like cord, Cordura is so heavily made now that you can get like a yard of 500 D Cordura for like 10 bucks. It's, it's, so it'll be, 36 inches by between 50 and 60 inches wide. You can oh, make wow. a few things with that. So that's, that's less than a penny, a square inch, you know? Um, and then you look at something like squadron, that's going to be 
for small batch stuff like you and I can just go buy off the internet really on like mm-hmm. 70 bucks. So that is, you know, six times the cost. But when you're talking half a penny, that's really <laughs> only three cents. It's, it's really not that bad. Yeah. You know? So, uh, yeah. So it's really not that crazy with the fabrics themselves. It's more of the hands-on time. So the more technical it is now, there are some companies out there that they'll use super fabrics and then say, like, oh, this is a $40 mag pouch. And you're looking at it, it's like, that, that's just held in with a single bungee. It looks like a 12-year-old tied it, you know? like, um, <laughs> Yeah, I do wonder about some of that stuff, honestly. I'm like, why is this magazine pouch $65? Is it really, is it really that much better? I mean, if it is, then cool, but... Yeah, so the Honest companies, it's twofold. It's one, it's made in America, and two is it's probably a little more technical than the average person can see. There's probably some stitching inside that had to happen, certain orders of stitching. And the longer it's on the machine, the, that's where the dollar signs come. Um, an average overhead for a U.S. sew shop is between 35 and 50 an hour. Now you go overseas, wow. that jumps down to anywhere from 5 to 20 bucks an hour. So that's, yeah. that's why like overseas stuff can be so much cheaper. Um, and the sad thing is overseas sewers are actually better sewers than U.S. sewers for most, for the most part. Um, I've actually heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. And it's because they actually get punished if they sew things wrong. A sewer in the U.S., you know, they mess something up like, oh, well, it goes in the batch of a thousand. You know, no one will find yeah. out. Just throw on the pile. No big yeah. deal. They don't really care. And in the U.S., you don't, there's not too much uh, peace piece pay anymore which is like per piece so mm-hmm. overseas a lot of places like if they don't make like make this amount of slings every day or they only get paid for the amount of slings they make and that used to be a wow. big thing in the textile industry in the u.s you know 20 30 years ago but now everyone's hourly paid and so you know if they get two slings done a day or 30 to done you know whatever it is what it is and you can't yeah yeah. So, but we'll get back to the AC one. So, um, yeah, so I made a basic play care form, you know, and he just didn't like it. And that, that was uh, one good thing with Lucas is, uh, he definitely pushed my boundaries and I know a lot of, you know, everyone outside of that small group. Cause it was basically, <clears throat> excuse me, basically the only people that saw my work was, uh, the board at T-Rex the marketing department, which is uh, Drew, Chad, and Charles, and then Lucas. So, and myself, it was a very small group that actually yeah. saw her thing. <clears throat> and so, um, th- so when I say like he challenged me, it, some of the stuff they have out and they're selling now and will in the future have out, um, you may be like, well, that doesn't look very challenging, but there was, like I told you, man, like every day we were knocking products out prototypes you know because we're gonna go test them and stuff yeah um, the ac1 got to a point where finally like the last like pr- like meeting on it um drew hopkins and uh lucas were in my office and they're looking at it and lucas is like i don't want side seams i don't want to <laughs> see stitching i was like what like <laughs> you know like I, and in my head i'm just like man screw this dude like you know like i didn't say yeah. that i'm just thinking like how can you sew something and not see you know 
seams and see a seam of some variety yeah yeah and then drew's like you know i think we should angle like the shoulder like from the center to the shoulder and i and i i said that i was like man i know it isn't a copy but it people are going to say we copied spiritus if we do that you know if we angle the yeah the straps and come up over like that but that's you know that they had been running the spiritus and loved the spiritus carriers like the way they fit so they kind of wanted that there so that wouldn't say we copy because if you actually take apart an ac1 and you take apart a, a spiritus they're sewn completely different but visually yes they look the same and i did warn them about that and they're like yeah but you know well i mean i think to an extent like you're saying right like the, the it's like with the plate shape right like you're only gonna be able to do so much with certain aspects and things otherwise you start compromising on other things like comfort or yeah. i don't know i'm assuming maybe quality because you can't stitch a certain way or something so mm-hmm. yeah i mean i you, you can do what you can do right and i mean and i think you guys did a really good job with that plate carrier um you're talking about the Spiritus carrier. That was one that when I was looking at, I, I specifically stayed away from it because of some of their design choices. Mm. Mostly that ridiculous lace up cummerbund thing that I like. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it was like the second plate carrier I ever bought was like a, <laughs> doesn't sound awful. Uh, I think, you know, I've said it before on this podcast, screw it. I bought a Rothko clone of a cry JPC. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, man, it's only like 50 bucks. Yeah. This would be great. Like, cool. Yeah. I'll be badass. Um, and I could not adjust that cummerbund. Like I, I, I hated it. Um, I, I undid it and redid it and I could never get it right. Uh, so when I was looking at upgrading to what I'll call a real plate carrier, um, something that wasn't going to give me all kinds of like cringy takes on the internet, uh, <laughs> and from my, my buds, um, that one, like the LV one, one nine went right off the list. I was like, you know, I, I need something with, I want an elastic cummerbund and I want to just build a Velcro around like, keep it simple and we'll adjust it quickly and then just not have to worry about it. You know? So I think you guys did, you know, an awesome job with what it ended up, you know, final product ended up being. Thanks man. Yeah. That was, that was probably the first most challenging project I had. And especially when someone tells you, I don't want to see side seams and you're just like, okay, like, yeah. what am I going to say? Like, fuck you. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, I mean, so I, I, so how did you solve for that? I mean, is there, uh, no, yeah, there aren't side seams on that plate carrier, right? Oh, yeah, it's a tube. Yeah, it's a tube. Um, so that was a uh, man. I was just going back and forth and like, how am I going to do this? I need some stretch, you know, because like level four plates, like some are three quarter inch, some are one inch. Yeah, some get real thick. Yeah, and then the whole time in the back of my head, I'm just like, he doesn't want side seams, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. uh, and he wants straight shoulders. Um, and so, yeah, honestly, I didn't really have an epiphany moment. I just started drawing on fabric and uh, I, I laid out a plate and I started measuring it. And I was like, okay, like I'll need this much fabric to wrap around. I was like, okay, I need to add a stretch panel. So that's how that and it just started coming out that way. You know, I just started drawing on fabric and then putting in the details I needed. And uh, yeah, I mean, that, that plate carrier is it's actually kind of tough to make um, because I I didn't want things to fall apart, you know. So there's yeah. some redundancies in the sewing, and then some of the um, some of the sewing tolerances are only an eighth inch. So if the person running the machine is off over an eighth inch on some parts of that, 
it'll mm-hmm. wear it'll wear weird and some people will kind of get on me like well, why are you making such precise like patterns or tolerances and honestly it's because i came from metal fab you know like you have to be that tight so you yeah. have uh so the weld uh, seats right when you when you start welding and stuff and you have less finish work if it's that tight and then there's a part of me that's also like well why don't we push the sewing and sewing the gun sewing side of the industry to higher quality standards you know yeah. like why can't we push design yeah and see it. there's so many there's so many plate carriers out there from and some are really good a lot are really terrible mm-hmm. um and when you don't have quality seams, they like I, that same piece of shit Rothko. The reason that I got rid of it was because, and it had that, uh, like that nylon, whatever material they use for the, to connect the plate bag to the shoulders on the JPC, probably not the exact same, but it looked similar. Yeah, it started, yeah, yeah, it, it started like tearing away and the seam started ripping just from the weight of, I mean, I was running steel plates in there at the time and I probably shouldn't have been because well, steel's junk for one shame on me. And, um, but for two, the quality of it was just not, it just wasn't good. It's not like I was, you know, running around, rolling around in this thing, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Like for the six months, I probably ran it like that. It mostly hung on an armor carrier. Like Mm -hmm. it just, just hanging there was enough to under its own forces and, you know, gravity, which is basically a constant, right. Um, (laughs) it started falling apart, which there you go. Hey, you want to know why one carrier's 50 bucks and one's 150 bucks or whatever like right there there it is you you get what you pay for yeah well so like the jpc it has some issues too but that that hypalon isn't breaking away because it's real hypalon for one and then uh second they're reinforcing it on the backside they're giving it a backer to pinch it because you can over perforate things like hypalon or one wrap if you do like a bar tack on one wrap you can end up just ripping the one wrap off um so oh, that's wow, okay. only a single or a double stitch through like one wrap or those type of materials. So, and you just learn that from trial and error, you know, like making stuff. And so you that, yeah. And that was a benefit working at T-Rex full time was if I didn't have something to do that day, I was always experimenting. So I would just have shelving and shelving of just different fabrics and I could like, I'm just going to make a little pouch and i would make it out of stuff i never worked with before and and see how it sews and um, how it holds up and that's kind of where i developed knowing more about the material sides and stuff and and now with drop six i really experiment with a lot more super fabrics um than at t-rex because that wasn't t-rex's style so so when you say super fabrics what what because i mean i think like 500d cordura is kind of like the standard fabric for a lot of things. So yeah. when you say super fabric, what is, what is that? So, so super fabrics is kind of like your new stuff. So like Cordura was a super fabric when it came out, like no one was making something with that high of abrasion resistance that was water resistant and like shear and tear strength. No one was making something like that. So at that time when that came out, that was a super fabric. So now a super fabric would be like Dyneema's, which is pretty old now, like Dyneema, um, X-Pact. Uh, I honestly play a lot with what the ultralight backpacking company companies play with um, mm-hmm. because they're using the lightest, strongest stuff they can find. Um, and now there's even new materials out that's 
there's a material I'm playing with now. Uh, it's going to come out on drop six product, um, but it's stronger than Dyneema with a higher abrasion resistance and it doesn't delam like if you accidentally throw it in the dryer for an hour. Where Dyne anyone who's played with Dyneema oh, wow. knows it'll delam, lose its waterproofing if you like leave it in direct sunlight or in um, a dryer or something like that. And so yeah, there's there's even new products there. So to to me, if I or if I say super fabric, it's 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 something like brand new or within a couple years old that <clears throat> is stronger, lighter, faster, you know, type of deal. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and the gun industry doesn't like to do that because it's so expensive to retool and redesign. And like that, that was my next question. How long till we see that shift away from like the 500 D stuff? Yeah. And you're starting to see it a little bit. Um, but yeah, like Tigris, like cry has been using Tigris for, 15 years now something like that really yeah they're old cummerbunds um had tigris inside to stiffen them um that's yeah, i did not i, I thought tigris was something that was like less than five years old nope i had no idea uh it it was developed uh actually for hard case suitcases and there's only one company that has the rights to make uh form suitcases out of tigris still they still own the rights to that i can't remember the name of them um but yeah, cry has been using them for a while, um, and blue force. So yeah, but now, okay. So we'll call it 10, 15 years. Now you're seeing it everywhere. So these super materials and super fabrics, as I like to, as I like to call them, we're not going to start seeing it for another 10 years if we keep the trend. So right. I like to, when I'm designing for people, cause now I work for myself and we could kind of, I guess, hit that real quick before we have to get off, like how that developed. Um, yeah. but I, I try to push the super fabrics on them at least with one sample, you know, yeah. and like, Hey, check this out. You know, we could do this. Yes. It'll cost more, but you're going to push the envelope. Um, and sometimes they go for it. Sometimes they don't, you know, um, but <clears throat> yeah, but, uh, so then at what, so at what point did you decide that you were going to kind of start doing your own thing um or or and i mean because you could realistically have done a couple of different things right go work someplace else go you know starting your own business is it's a pretty big it's a daunting task for a lot of folks um yeah. you know so what how'd you get there so I'll, I'll start off with i'm pretty stubborn headed and i i'm I don't really have a filter. If someone asks me a question, I will yeah. give it to them and I'm pretty blunt about it. And some people love that. Some people hate it. Um, I kind of fell in the middle there with T-Rex. Like Lucas sometimes liked it. And sometimes he's like, Shh, you know, <laughs> quiet. <there. laughs> yeah. Um, so it, and I don't want to talk like bad on them, but after the first year <clears throat> and I I was seeing how much money they were making off of just my sling, you know, um, it's got me thinking like, man, I should actually look into like, what is a designer worth? Like, what should I be getting paid? Yeah. And so I started doing a bunch of research because uh, <clears throat> T-Rex will do yearly employee reviews, like for every employee, oh, yeah. um, they'll sit down and just have a, <clears throat> like a yearly thing and performance review. Um, and sometimes you get like a bonus or sometimes you get a raise or something, you know, depends on your, yeah, what you do on how the year went. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so mine was coming up. So I started researching, all right, what do designers 
make and then uh there's not a whole lot of info for like the gun industry so i started looking at just uh designers in general like for fashion companies um like tent tent designers like outdoor equipment designers and stuff i had to look at those salaries and kind of piece it together um a long story short i have my review and i'm like all right lucas this is how much i want to get paid because this is what i'm worth but i'll take this like a lesser number because i have i want to work here i just i would like to make this much money and uh and basically i didn't get that so it, it wasn't on them they said maybe in a year or two you know all employers say that you know but i kind of had this goal in my my life or in my head that i wanted to make a certain amount of money by a certain certain age yep. so once i once i heard what i was worth I, and then i didn't get it i was like okay i need to make supplemental income and so i started drop six about a couple of weeks later actually it was just a couple of weeks after the performance review and i, I was totally up front with them um you know, I told Lucas, I was like, Hey, I started my own company. It's called drop six and I'm just going to be making stuff on the side and selling it, but I won't do anything that's con- con- conflicting to like a competitor people. to yeah, what they're yeah, doing. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's kind of how the soft cuffs came out was I was like, okay, I want, I want to make something that there I'm not doing at work, you know, my nine to five, but I also, needed a pair of soft cuffs at the time and so i just started playing around with different fibers and uh cordage and came up with those and so that's kind of how it went i would <clears throat> i was working full-time at t-rex i would make things at night when i got home and i would uh, on my drive to t-rex in the morning i would mail all the orders i would just drop them at the post drop office in the mailbox yeah yeah um and at that time is when like the AC one started coming out and things like that. And some of the products we'd been making. And that's when people start asking like, who's designing this for them, you know, and that's, yeah, people want to know. Yeah. And so that's when the phone started ringing and I started getting people like, Hey, would you be able to do this or that and work on this? And uh, I was like, no, I can't. Cause you know, I, I do this full time and I'm on NDAs and I can't make stuff for you, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and it basically just got to a point where I was like, um, I got a really good phone call offer and it was to be on retainer. Um, so I wasn't, wasn't going to be an employee for them. I was just going to be on retainer, like a thing, like a lawyer and they get first dibs on anything. So if they needed something made, I per the contract or the retainer, like, like, Hey, sorry, Joe, you got to wait. I got to work on my main client. Put some of the front of the line. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I got that phone call and it, I sat on that for a couple months, man. I was just, I don't know, talked over the wife and stuff. And, uh, it, it was like, yep, that's too good an offer to pass up. And so, uh, I told Lucas, Hey man, two weeks, you know, <laughs> here you go. Yeah. Um, and I had just finished up a couple of big projects for them. So it was like the perfect time. He was about to leave to go do, I think that big airsoft event they re- they filmed. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was an iron horse or something. Yeah. Something like that. And I had just finished a bunch of products. They were out to manufacture. So it was like the perfect low time in the production, I guess, to, to leave. And so, yeah, I left on good terms. They were supportive ish of it, you know, like, kind of a well, bummer that 
yeah like, they dude, hate to see dude. you go yeah um but yeah and so that uh with that retainer i had the confidence to uh start my own company um and right now i'm at a crossroads with the company of do i keep designing for other people and can't talk about or show any of the cool stuff i'm making yeah yeah or do i focus a little more on drop six retail the website everyone sees you know which is just a couple items but do i start making products for that and replace some of these contracts with money from the retail side and so i can just design for myself so i'm actually I've been talking to Jurestel about it quite a bit, actually, um, of what maybe I should do. Like, should I open the website up to consulting design? Like you could book appointments with me and whatnot, or should I try and get out of designing for other people and go full retail for myself? So when you say consulting, you mean like have companies come to you and say, Hey, this is the idea we have. Do you think this is feasible from a design standpoint or yep. like you're so basically that- just picking apart their idea and telling them what yeah. won't work? So, so I do, that's what I do right now. So that's what drop six makes its most, it's revenue off of. It's not the online sales like everyone sees it's uh, product consulting and then uh, design work. So, um, and then I have, so I was actually going to announce it on here with you, man. Yeah. Uh, no one actually knows, but so the company that ended up uh, offering that contract retainer was vertex. So no shit, man. Wow. So, that's, that's so, not a small deal. That, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's even cooler is I don't design backpacks. I don't do clothing. So yeah. Vertex wants to get into the gear side. They want to do gear and kit. And I already talked to them. They said I could tell you this. So <laughs> I was just thinking about that. I'm like, wait, is he supposed to say this right now? Are we both going to get sued? <laughs> no, no. I can't talk about specific products, but they're getting into the gear and kit side and, and brought me on board just to develop that product line. Um, and I'm also working with uh, Kyle Lamb for some Viking uh, Viking tactics projects, and he's teamed up with Vertex as well. So it's kind of a three-way triangle now. Um, so there's Viking, Drop Six, and Vertex. So that's that's incredible. And honestly, it's kind of cool to hear because I like I I have a Vertex um, commuter sling bag that I carry you know out and about with me on vacation stuff. Great. Like Vertex is known for making pretty robust good stuff you know but they've at least in my opinion i think they've stayed pretty like um segregated for lack of a better term right in into that space it's only been bags and then a couple little things here and there that you know like adjacent items that weren't necessarily steps out of out of that that space so that's that's really cool yeah that's that's really awesome 2023 i think is when you guys will start seeing the stuff i've been working on the last year um but yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, and if, it's kind of cool to like finally like tell people like who it is. Like some of my buddies, like I didn't tell for months. Like, you know what I'm working. I was say, that's gotta be that's gonna be difficult to be like I'm working on something really cool. Like sick, bro. What is it? I can't tell you. Yeah, can't show you. Like yeah. Uh, whenever I have like parties at my house, I have to lock my office and stuff because you know of course the buddies want to see the cool gear you're making, but I just yeah. can't can't show anyone. So eventually, yeah. you get to the point where people are like, it's like that. In high school, you're like, I have a girlfriend. She just goes to the other school. Like, yeah, sure, whatever. And then yeah. one day you finally, you know, get to meet the chick or whatever. That that yeah. that in itself had to be pretty difficult, you know, because like that's exciting, you know. That's yeah. a that's a big deal. Vertex is not a small company, and 
for someone like yourself taking those steps, right. To like build, I don't say your own brand like yourself, but, 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 you know, build your own company and, and there's some risk associated with that kind of like a, a little pucker factor to that for, you know, a little bit. And so that's cool to, now you can actually tell people and it's like that, that big step. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not an employee of them, so I can't, like I'm not part of Vertex, I'm subcontracted, drop sixes. And so that's part of uh, one of the companies we consult for and design for is, is Vertex. And then we have Viking. And then there's a couple others that didn't want to be mentioned. But um, but yeah, so that's that's kind of how drop six, how I make my revenue is more of consulting design. Um, but I'm honestly, man, like sometimes it hurts a little to give away your good ideas. You know, sometimes you're just like, man, I wish yeah. I could sell that for myself. <laughs> yeah. Right. But, yeah. No, I mean, hey, I, I get it. But I mean, I think I, it sounds like you're doing all the, the right things, you know. And um, one thing I do have to ask about is uh, the slings that you make now. And they only come one way. Yeah. And it's the wrong way. It's the right <laughs> It's the reverse. I know a lot of guys get some heartburn about that. And actually, I was thinking about the other day. I'm like maybe it actually makes more sense because then your hand's right there when you go to grip the rifle. I don't, so, so what, what's your rationale behind the reverse throw versus. So, so the, yeah. Okay. So I wasn't the first to do it, but I think I was, well, I was at T-Rex at the time, but I think I was, I convinced them to try and run it and that, well, that's my sling, you know, that they're using. So um, I designed it so you could run either way. The only thing we added to the T-Rex sling when I got to T-Rex was a, a working pull pull loop, which ended up being the loop. Uh, we went through maybe 20 different types of pull tabs. But seriously, just on that that little piece that you grab onto. Yeah, because I was so stubborn that it had to work in reverse. <laughs> okay. It's that makes a, sense. Yeah. So standard pull. We could, I could get a pull tab to work and then reverse pull, I could get one to work, but it wouldn't work both ways. And that's how I came up with the loop because it, it grabs both sides and it couldn't lock over itself. So that makes sense now. Yeah. yeah. And that's uh, why. Yeah. Okay. So that's so many things make sense now. That's crazy. Yeah. And so that T-Rex sling before it was the T-Rex sling when my buddies were using over in Afghanistan stuff, uh, I, I did the reverse because it, they'd be out on patrol. So they have their kit and, you know, we get a little lazy as infantrymen. We'll put the rifle up on our mags and kind of tighten the sling. Yeah. And uh, you know, you're walking and you might, you might go all day and not get shot at, or it might be four hours in, you've had two hours of sleep that night. And all of a sudden you find yourself in a firefight. And so it was developed out of, okay, I got my gun as tight as I can to my chest to save my arms. So I can, you know, huff, huff all this gear in. I take contact the quickest way to do that is grab that loop, pull it to the rifle and just start shooting towards the direction of the threat while I move up to cover or my guys move up to cover. Um, it was just the quickest way to loosen from a patrol to a firefight. So see that, that, that was kind of my thought too. When I, when I finally sat there and thought about it, because everything I run now is, I guess normal throw. I don't know what you even call it. You know, uh, standard. Directions who, um, who uh, decided to call it reverse throw. So because we were sitting there making the videos and like, what do we call this, Derek? I was like, I don't know the right way. And they're like, no, it's the wrong way. <laughs> yes. 
but it's an it is kind of annoying with the the normal whatever patterning or, or normal throw that you like I, it's not that big of a deal, but you kind of got to like leverage the weight of the rifle and your right forearm as you're working the, the, the lever right in your left hand or I mean, I'm right-handed and kind of like, it's almost like you kind of got to like lean into it to get every, to, to open back up. Right. And then you can get your support hand out at the end of the barrel. Whereas what you're saying actually does seem to make logically yeah. more sense, which is why the masses don't follow it because it actually makes sense. So it's, it's honestly, uh, if you actually ask someone like why they don't like the reverse slow throw, it comes down to tightening it. It's not as easy to tighten. How you're saying like on some slings to loosen, you kind of got to like lift some weight and like pull. Yeah. The... So you have to do that when you tighten a reverse throw. You kind of got to lift the rifle a little and like help the sling out to tighten. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, when I'm tightening, it's because I'm going to administrative, right? Or I'm going uh, to something that needs my hands. Um, it's not, it's not, it doesn't need to be as fast to me as deployment. Yeah. God damn it. Now this makes me want to replace all my slings. Like the, <laughs> that, that rationale there makes a lot of sense. Well, the good news is a lot of, a lot of slings can be converted to reverse. Um, just manufacturers don't know it. And it, de- it depends on what slings you have, but you can kind of reverse the front you can change the front if it's a two piece connected and then you can experiment with it. It may not be the most efficient cause it wasn't designed around that, but you yeah. can at least experiment with it and see if you like, okay, I could dig this. And then you can buy a T-Rex sling or a sling from drop six or something. So. Yeah. So um, what else do you, I mean, I don't know if you can talk about it or not. What do you have coming up on the horizon? Um, you know, plans for the future with the company, uh, you know, next steps. It seems like you're making really good headway. Yeah. But- I, th- I think for me right now, it's, it's decided at this exact moment, you know, I'm talking to you, it's, it's, I need to decide if I want to go more retail drop six or if I just want to <laughs> stick to designing for other people, both could be great. Um, I think I like being my own boss and I even like designing for myself, but I don't always have the, the ideas. I, I'm a, a problem solver, I guess, by nature. So I don't, I don't look at everything and like go oh you know what needs to change you know or this would be a great idea it's more of someone tells me like hey this is a problem because we can't do this i'm like okay i'll figure it out for you (laughs) yeah (laughs) or someone comes to me with a really good idea but they're like i have no idea how to make it i'll figure it out for you you know that's kind of what i'm good at and uh a guy that really helps me out actually with some of the drop six stuff is a guy named rick Um, he was former uh, fifth group guy and now he's off doing civilian cool guy stuff. Um, and, uh, but him and I are very similar, but he has some good ideas and he's that dude. I can just text like a picture of something. I'm like, Hey man, I'm thinking about this. You think I should do this? And you know, he's right there with me. He understands what I'm trying to do. So I, yeah. if I decide to design for myself, I need to find someone like that um, to help me out. Cause I don't have all the best ideas that's one great thing about designing for other people is someone will come to me and like, show me something like, dude, that's rad. You know, like, let's do this. Like, let's get this going. Uh, Cause I don't always have the best ideas um, or I don't come up with the ideas. I like to solve problems that are already there. So, so when, when, yeah, when you're I working guess- on, when you're working on stuff like that though. So from the design standpoint, if somebody, I, I don't know, commissions like, Hey, build me, we're looking at this, uh, play carrier, whatever it is. 
you design it or you take their design, modify it, fix it. Here's what you're looking at. How often does it actually come back to the point where they go, no, we don't like it. We're going to do it this way. I mean, do people really, I assume they, they pay money for your opinion, right. And for your knowledge and stuff. But I also know, <clears throat> like you had kind of mentioned earlier, like a lot of things always end up coming down to a dollar. So yeah. it's how often does it come back where they go? That's really cool. We love it. We're not going to do it though. And they like, you know, go, you know, hard left and just do what they want anyways. I've only had one company do that to me since starting drop six. That's really, that's really fortunate. Yeah. (laughs) I, I, it's kind of weird though. I mean, like you say, you're paying for your knowledge and everything. Why wouldn't you listen? But I guess some people just think they know better. Well, yeah. And some people are looking for maybe a shout out on social media or something like that. Um, I've noticed that a lot. Uh, or someone just wanted me to make something custom for them and they're willing to pay the price. Cause so I, I, uh, I'm pretty open about what I charge people. It's so I charge 75 an hour plus materials. Uh, but if I'm doing sewing, um, I have an eight hour minimum to get you in the door. So, and some people hear that cause you know, I get DMS and stuff like, Hey, could you just make me a mag pouch? I can't find something that does what I yeah. want or something like that. And it's like, yeah, I can do it for 600 bucks. And they're just like, what? And it's like, I'm not, I'm not a prototype. So, or like, or just a tailor, you know, I, I, yeah. people that hire me have the intent of bringing something to market. So 600 bucks or $1,200 for two days of my time is nothing in the grand scheme of what they're going to make in sales. Um, and so I, I purposely have those minimums. If we were just going to have a conversation about like, you already have a product, but you kind of want me to just video call, like, you know, and kind of, walk you through maybe launching it or maybe some things you might change that I only have a three hour minimum and it's just to weed out the people that just want some custom sew jobs or just want to get me on a video call for whatever reason yeah you know that's yeah I can only imagine the kind of I want to say it's all crap but I can imagine there's quite a few people that just like hey man can you just you know help me out here for yeah, and, real and, quick, like, and I just need a Chester, you know, <laughs> it's just like, like, yeah, but there's a little bit more that goes into it. Yeah. I mean, people don't really, uh, you know, eat. once you get to a certain point in, and, and this is any line of work, I believe anyways, like you stop paying people for the work they're doing and you start paying them for what they know, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. which costs a lot more money. <laughs> you know, you gotta, yeah. you, you want to work with someone because they're good, right. They're good at what they do that costs money. Like that's, there's, yeah. there's no two ways about it. I, it's, and it, I always laugh when I hear stories like that. Cause I know I can, I can imagine, right. Like the scenarios and people on the DMS, like, Hey man, can you just hook me up with just, I need like three of these and, and that'd be sweet. And you know, it's like, uh, if you wanted to prototype, you know, uh, Glock slides or something, you know, it's like, dude, we're going to spend like three weeks and like 20 grand remachining everything. Like we're not doing three of these unless you're ready to pay like 60 grand, like just exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And people freak out about it. It's like, mm, there's not, there's only so much I can do. Like time is money. Yeah. I mean, I have to stop for companies that are hiring me out to make your, you know, quick projects, right. you know? And so that, it all adds up. Same thing with machine shops. Yeah. I mean, they got to stop producing their income to make you your one-off, you know, three Glock slides or whatever. So, right. Yeah. And when they're, when they're retooling or, or doing all that administrative work, that's time that they're not making product to make money. It's, yeah. it, 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 it's simple when you, 
when you put it in those kinds of terms for people, but I think, you know, and I'm, I'm a little bit more fortunate having a father and family that came from the manufacturing side of things. And I work in finance, but it does. I, I do have to laugh sometimes. And people are like, I just don't understand you just, you're just being greedy. Like, no, I just, yeah. this is my livelihood and I like food. So yeah, you want me to tell you, I, I, I get it. You know, and I'm, I mean, more power to you for, for dealing with that stuff. That's, that's gotta be frustrating. I'm sure sometimes, but yeah, I, I try to, I try to answer any DM that comes in if it's not just something completely ridiculous, you know? Um, but I try to have open conversations with people on social media. I'm only on Instagram. Um, and cause I used to hate when like I was getting into the gun stuff, like more serious outside of the army and realized I sucked at shooting and need to get better. <laughs> um, you know, and I would try and reach out to someone famous, you know, or s- someone that has a bigger following and they just kind of get blown off. Like I, I, I hated that because it's like, Hey, I thought we were all part of the same community, you know? And so right. I, I really don't care. Like if my Instagram blew up to crazy amount of followers or it stays where it's at, like I will always try to at least give you like a thumbs up or a like, you know, like if, if you DM me or something, um, I always try to respond unless, like I said, it's total nonsense. Um, yeah. And that, that stuff's important. You know, I, I've had, um, conversations with, you know, uh, Steve, uh, at, at Ripcord Industries, uh, Drew Estel, right. Yeah. Um, and, and plenty more, uh, uh, dudes that are Josh Lowry at, at T-Rex, you know, yeah. same, same sentiment on a lot of it. It's like, you know, I will reply to as many as I can because it, it is, a, it's important to the community, um, to all aspects, right. Of the community. Um, not just the guys that want to, you know, run a gun super fast or, yeah sub second reloads or whatever, you know, I mean, I, I know for a fact, I've made connections with guys online that are learning how to sew and build their own kit. One guy even, I think made a clone of the T-Rex chest rig. I'm like that dude, that's pretty awesome. How the hell did you even figure that shit out? I would have like died and just quit like two hours into it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. It's really not that bad. Once you kind of figure a couple of things out, I'm like, well, more power to you, dude. Cause I, I really couldn't do it. You know? So when you're talking about helping promote and, and build in the community, it, it it's a further reaching concept than I think a lot of people want to uh, want to acknowledge, you yeah. know, guys have questions on a lot of that stuff or they want to modify their own gear. Kind of like what you were talking about earlier. Yeah. It, and yeah, sometimes those can get tiring, you know, the like, Hey, how do you sew this? How do you, and a lot of times, like I said, I will respond because I, I don't want to be that D bag, yeah. but uh, a lot of times it's, Hey, go check out YouTube and look for the little old ladies sewing like quilts and like purses. Cause they've been doing it for 40, 50 years they gotta figure it out. in the book. You know, all you gotta do, all the only difference is maybe your thread size and needle size is a little bigger and maybe you have a walking foot for gear, you know, but sewing is sewing at the core of it. So like you can watch those little old ladies. sew. Um, and tell you all sorts of tips, you know, and then it's you experimenting with fabric once you know the basic fundamentals of, of the sewing. So, so yeah, I, I would have assumed there probably would have been, I guess, something different, you know, like, oh, this is, this is for, you know, like high speed, you know, hard use stuff. So you're going to do this versus something that, you know, your grandma would do. But I guess, fundamentally speaking, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, to hear you yeah. say it. Yeah. I mean, there might be some differences like bar tax, you know, things like that, that, um, 
they're not sewing on their quilts, you know, but right. the basic, like how to tension a machine, uh, how to set your tensions, uh, how to do overlapping seams, French seams, things like that. That's all from the quilting and apparel world. And there's tons of videos on YouTube about it. So yeah, yeah. as long as you have a little imagination to go, okay, I need a little bigger uh, thread and I might need to reinforce this spot. You know, as long as you pay attention to that stuff, good to go, man. Yeah. No. Well, man, this has been awesome. Like I had, <laughs> yeah. I had so little idea about a lot of this stuff. Um, and just hearing the design process, you know, is, is interesting and hearing how much you did, you know, I just said T-Rex and I, I can only imagine what your, your day is filled with like, you know, <laughs> ideas and like drawings and, and templates and stuff like that. I'm sure it's, it's, I mean, it's chaos. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can only imagine. I mean, and I'm sure it only has gotten, I would say, you know, even more complicated, you know, a, with the projects you've taken on, but and now you, you start to see other people coming out with other stuff, which gives you an idea to go a different direction. And I think nylon in the last couple of years has like taken off in the people trying to like really do some, some interesting, instead of just like, yeah, we're just going to find a way to make it work. Like, no, we're going to make a bigger, better mousetrap for, you know, lack of a better phrase there. But um, so, yeah, I hearing the process behind all of this and uh, and honestly, the fact that it came from metal fab, uh, yeah. that's, that's crazy. And, uh, that in itself, honestly, you could end up doing that really easily. Those guys make sick money, you know, and yeah. Yeah, uh, I was, especially if you're I was decent kind of, at it. I was kind of maxed out as a traveling fabricator. I was kind of maxed at like 35, 40 an hour where I was living. Uh, but yeah, I had three shops I'd go around to and I always had work, man. Um, and I, I could have yeah. grown that into its own business in itself. So, well, there you go. If anything ever anything ever happens and you can, you can fall back on that. People are all always need good welders. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Uh, Cause shitty welders are a dime a dozen. <laughs> I, I assume much like, like, like crappy sewers. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this has been like really, really, really cool. Um, before we kind of wrap here, um, can you just let the listeners know uh, where they can find you on social media and uh, where they can find, you know, drop six, they want to grab a sling and, and check out what you're doing. Yeah, so uh, the website's simple. It's drop6.com. Um, it's D-R-O-P number six.com. Um, and then Instagram is drop6 underscore. And then for my personal, uh, which I am all over the map because I have so many different interests and hobbies, but it's uh, Derek.Freimeyer. Yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, I appreciate you taking the time to, to jump on uh, and, and share your story that, like I said, I, I think it's really fascinating. You know, I know maybe some guys don't, don't care to hear it, but I, I thought it was awesome. So uh, I appreciate the hell out of it, man. And I'll definitely be in touch. Okay. Thanks, man. All right. Take care. That was my conversation with Derek Freimeyer, again, owner and founder of Drop6. Uh, awesome dude. We had a really, really good conversation. Uh, I learned a bunch, honestly, about... Uh, the about nylon right uh gear manufacturing right there's so many options out there today we've talked about on this podcast before uh making informed choices understanding why some things are expensive why some things may be unnecessarily so uh and 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 this is really just a, another piece to that 
that overall puzzle, that that big picture, right? Um, Derek shed a lot of light on on the industry, uh, the, the what and the whys behind uh, gear, right? Some simple things like some mag pouches uh, or a very simple chest rig or maybe even just a, a placard for a, for a plate carrier, right? Why you may be seeing that price that that you know you think one number in your head and the number you're seeing on the site may may not line up. And hey, there may be, uh, maybe there's some inflation there. So in some instances, you know, like we always say here, do your research, you able to find a better quality product for less money uh, by by supporting a, a small business who's able to do better quality work because they're not under the constraints of, of large volume. Um, and super, obviously super, super excited to hear uh, the news that he kind of shared with the world on, on this podcast with his collaboration, his uh, his effort and project together working with uh, Kyle Lamb and Viking Tactics and, and Vertex. That is, that's huge. It's outstanding. Uh, it's always cool to hear when, when the little guy, so to speak, uh, you know, makes it and, and breaks that, uh, I guess, glass ceiling of some variety, you know, for uh, absence of a better term here. Uh, and and gets to collaborate on a large scale, and you see your your ideas uh, and your creativity and your passion all kind of come together and manifest itself in in success. Uh, that's that's super cool. Uh, I'm very happy for Derek and and excited to see uh, exactly what what this is going to look like. And uh, you know, I know he's got some other stuff in the works too. So we're going to be paying very close attention uh, and obviously keeping in touch with them. Great guy. Uh, and, and seeing what, what else comes out, you know, further down the line. Uh, I say it after every one of these guests and I will say it again, as it is certainly true here today. I have just an incredible opportunity to meet people like Derek and make these kinds of connections, build these friendships and, and network with folks who are truly passionate about what they do and have a lot to offer from an educational standpoint and from, uh, a place of being able to improve the community, whether it's through training, whether it's through better quality goods and services, uh, you know, this is, this is all, like I, like I said, part of the bigger picture, part of this, this puzzle that's ever, you know, ever growing and ever, ever coming together, uh, for how we, we lift the 2A community to, uh, a higher level and a higher standard. So, uh, I was very excited, very thrilled to be able to sit down with Derek and carve some time out. I'll certainly be reaching out to him in the future, uh, getting him back on here and talk even more, you know, God only knows how much further we can go down the rabbit hole. And by then he'll have, I'm, I have no doubt, even more to share with us uh, about what he's working on and what he's doing. So if you guys aren't following him on social media, you totally should. And if you're in the market for a, a sling, check out Drop6. I know there's a lot of guys that run them. I know there's a lot of people that have great things to say about them. And again, if you if you listen, he was the original mind behind the T-Rex Arms sling. So uh, maybe go pick one of those up. Go support another fantastic company in T-Rex Arms. But guys, that's that's all I got for you. I'm going to stop running my suck here uh, and let you guys get back on with your day. I appreciate the hell out of you all stopping by and listening to this episode. And we've got another couple awesome guests lined up for the next few weeks. So stay tuned here at The Prepared Mindset. Until next time, folks, get out there, work hard, train smarter, and like we always say here, be prepared. Be prepared.